You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Back for another episode of Hawk Talk. Greg Viscomi, Eddie Acapinti, happy to be with you here. Greg, how you doing today, man? I'm doing terrific. First day of March Madness. We would have liked to have been in it. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but we have a great guest today. And um, I'm excited. Spring sports are in full swing. Spring sports in full swing. Our guest, kind of alluding to it, knows all about playing in the NCAA tournament because last spring helped lead this Monmouth men's lacrosse team into the NCAA tournament. And we're happy to be welcomed by or joined by Monmouth attacker Connor McRae. Connor, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. No, oh, it's problem. our pleasure. Thanks for joining us. It's a busy, uh, it's a busy week, you know, for you and your teammates. So we appreciate some time, and we know it's spring break, so you'd rather be, you know, I'm sure doing some downtime things. So thanks for coming in. No problem. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, the week started, Greg, for us, um, you know, after this past weekend, like you mentioned, which we'll talk about later, uh, with a Monmouth men's lacrosse game. And it was a great way to start the week. It's kind of weird, right? Playing these games over spring break with, you know, it's it's us and it's parents and there's really no <laughs> students around. Um, but Connor, you know, let's start there. How it felt to to be back at home now that the spring sports kind of take center stage um, and to get an impressive win at home in the final non-conference game of the season. Yeah, it was definitely good to get one at home. I mean, this, this year we had a lot of away games. So that was the second one at home and... Uh, we always definitely bring a different energy when we're at home. So, yeah, it was great to get one at home. We've noticed a, a lot of teams that call Kessler Stadium home like to win at home. It seems to be a, a trend since that building was built. Now, eight in a row at home. What is it about playing at home that, you know, you and your teammates really relish? And, you know, I feel like when we talk to the football student athletes, women's lacrosse, they all have, like, their own different routines for home games. What is it about the men's lacrosse program? Honestly, I couldn't really tell you. I feel like it's it's something that a lot of teams go through. Like, on the road, they feel like... Everyone's kind of against them, and I feel like when we're at home, we just bring a different energy. We have, like, our brotherhood-type atmos- atmosphere, and, uh, yeah, I love playing at Kessler, and hopefully I can get one at Hess as well. I've never played there, but that's a great atmosphere as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys are scheduled at all this year. Um, in the past, we've had to move some things around, and we've played a little bit over at Hess. I know I know Coach Fisher likes Hess with, with the lights and brings kind of a different atmosphere, but... Um, we don't really have video scoreboard and there's no press box over there and uh, it's not really conducive to in-climate weather, but who knows, maybe in the future that'll change. Well, and it tends to be a, a great facility, right? When Kessler was being built, Hess was the it home. It was awesome. And that's where the men's lacrosse team won their first championship back in 2017. Well, that's great recall out of you. I mean, I call so many games, I better remember <laughs> some of them. <laughs> so so let's jump into it a little bit. You're a local guy. Um, where are you from? I'm from Middletown, New Jersey, about like 20 minutes away. So Middletown went to CBA? Yep. Uh, a little pipeline between here and uh, here and Christian Brothers. Yeah, I mean, you should be. You're close enough. And if, if you know, you want a good school and, and good lacrosse and you don't want to go far, then why, why would you go anywhere else? But um, just take us through, because I'm a local guy too, and, and I'm considerably older than you, uh, but growing up in this area, lacrosse wasn't even a thing. It was... Um, like I knew, obviously knew about lacrosse, but it was it was Maryland and Long Island and upstate New York, and nobody else in the country played lacrosse. And then you know I go away for, for a couple of years, go to college, go to grad school, and come back, and now every high school's got it. My little brother ended up playing a couple of years of lacrosse down you know down in Osh County. So so how did you get into it? Uh, I honestly got into it just watching one of the MLO games when I was really little on the TV, and uh, at the time I was playing baseball. So me and my dad were watching, and we were like, we definitely got to try this thing out. So uh, at the time, I was at, like, uh, Middletown Village, which is the public school system. And um, I was going to plan on going to Middletown South. But uh, my dad actually got onto the board of Middletown and started the lacrosse programs at the Middletown High Schools. I ended up going to CBA, but that was cool. It's so interesting because... Where you went to school, by the way, right? Maryland and upstate New York, right? Those were the, <laughs> those were the pockets of it. So, Connor, and like all of us, right? I'm from this area as well. When when did you kind of make that decision, like you said, to go from from baseball into lacrosse? You mentioned the the kind of you know watching the MLL game. Was it a thing that you and a bunch of your friends did, or was it just something that kind of grabbed you? No, it was definitely just something I did at the time when I was that young. None of my friends were even interested in lacrosse. It was all like baseball, football, but. When I got into lacrosse, that's really where I met, like, most of my best friends. And, uh, yeah, still have them to this day. 
Yeah, so what I find, and obviously we talk about my son plays lacrosse, and I've grown to really like watching him play lacrosse, not as much as football, but I like it. (laughs) Um, Most of the kids on his team are kids that played baseball, and this was the same for him too. And then they just didn't want to play baseball anymore, and and their parents were like, well, you got to do something. And that's kind of what we did with him. He started playing a little bit of lacrosse, and then – he, he is all in now. He is, if you look at Black's bro, I mean, he's wearing the dopey colored shorts. He's got, he doesn't want to ever cut his hair. Um, he's constantly watching PLL games. He told me the other day that we have to get Peacock or something so that he could watch games. I told him that's right. To fly a yeah. kite. That wasn't going to happen. Um, so it's definitely grown in this area. And, and one of our goals, I think, as an athletic department is, is to, you know, grow this program. It's nine years young. You know, it's not even a decade old, but we've won two championships which is unbelievable. We've had the same coach, which is kind of a theme uh, up and down these hallways and Brian Fisher, and he's done an awesome job starting the program. So what was it about, uh, you know, you're at CBA. I'm sure you had some other options to play other places. What was it about Monmouth um, that made you want to come and and, and play here? Honestly, just I'd say the atmosphere. Um, Sounds a little cliche, but I feel like it's, uh, it's just a place where I feel like there's a lot of opportunity and, campus is very nice right by the beach close to home for me at the time I definitely didn't want to go far what's funny is I was actually committed to Siena before Monmouth and the coaches got fired like right at the end of my junior year of high school and uh I thought that I had to rethink everything and I feel like my dad went here so I feel like Monmouth is always on the back of my mind I gotta we gotta get a boo button so when he says I was committed to Siena, I can you hit can, the blue you button. Boo, you can add that in after. And then when he said, we do have like an applause button. So when he said his dad went to mom, I just got to be quicker with it. I need a, I need a full-time producer. I, well, yeah, that's the next addition to Hawk Talk, sure. right? <laughs> this thing has already grown. Uh, so that's amazing. So so you get here and um, you don't play a ton as a freshman, right? No, I don't And then did COVID hit too? Yeah. Was that no, the was same year? year? Yeah, it was a rough end of the year. Did you guys play any – you guys played games in 2020, right? Yeah, we played our whole out-of-conference schedule, and then it got cut right before actually the Siena game. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I think that was kind of the case. I mean, I know that was the case for women's across. They had played eight games, all non-conference. We were getting ready to start the conference play, and that got cut. Um, so how difficult was that for you guys to get ramped up and ready to go, and then it just gets taken away? I mean – Yeah, it was very difficult. I mean – I, that was a little bit of an up and down year. I, I was glad that I think everyone except two guys came back from that team to this team that won the MAC last year. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely glad we got that whole team back pretty much. And I think it was a big motivating factor for everyone because everyone started to realize that like you could lose this at any time, and spe- especially last year with having to get tested at all the time. Like I think it was definitely on the back of everyone's mind that it could be taken away at any second. And, and did that going through it? And now going through, I feel like you're in a kind of unique perspective because you were in it, and now we're out of it. Well, yeah. out of it as much as we can be, right? Mm-hmm. So going through that, uh, you know, what was the, whether it was from the coaching staff or from the leaders on the team, you know, the fact that it is kind of this precious thing, did it make you and your teammates look at everything differently, practice kind of the little things that maybe in the past you go, oh, man, i got to go to practice. But now it's like, you know, we get to play. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean – uh, just going into it, I think last year we weren't. We, I think we were ranked like third preseason, so that was also a big motivating factor. And the fact that it could get taken away at any time definitely helped motivate guys to practice and in games. And uh, this year we're hoping to do it all again. And by the way, the next home game for Monmouth is against Siena, so it kind of comes full circle. <laughs> comes I'm, full I'm circle. sure you knew that. Yeah, I did definitely. <laughs> so they got 11 days off. Yeah, between. Tuesday's win over VMI, and then the Mac Mac opener. I almost said home opener against Quinnipiac on the twenty sixth. What um do you guys get a little bit of a break now? Is Coach Fisher is it just practicing? What's going on? Uh, we got the rest of this week. We have practice, but we're gonna get a little break this weekend, and then back at it on Monday. So that's not bad. Do you, do you have anything planned for the weekend? Any uh, plans you can share? Definitely just to relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially after the the non conference schedule that. Coach Fisher kind of put in front of the team, right? Six games, teams three and three now, but, you know, starting off with two ranked opponents really coming out swinging. Um, when you go and you get to play kind of those games and you get to play those, you know, those are teams that Monmouth could see in the NCAA tournament, Definitely. right? Kind of like last year going down to North Carolina. You know, so when the season starts like that, um, you know, how, how much of what goes on 
from a routine standpoint, is it for you and your teammates to, to get kind of ready for this year? Because obviously, you mentioned so many guys come back, but not everyone has the same role as they had last mm-hmm. season. There's kind of different things that have to work themselves out. So how much of it from a non-conference standpoint, from the player's perspective, are you guys like, all right, we have to get used to who's on whose shift? Who's going to be pairing with each other? Who's going to be try to combining on the field? I think that's a big part of the beginning of the year, especially playing like teams like uh, Princeton, Delaware, and St. Joe's, our, our three losses. We uh, we definitely had to get a feel for ourselves. And uh, I think this year was a little easier because we had more of a preseason. Last year, I feel like that was a lot tougher for maybe me especially because I was kind of, that was my first year. Right. We had like no preseason pretty much. So, yeah. Those. The non-conference schedule that Coach Fisher put together, and, and he he had said it that it was going to be a, a, a challenging non-conference schedule um, with Princeton ranked in the top 20 and Delaware ranked in the top 20, and St. Joe's is always pretty good right outside the top 20. Um, what a play in those games, and, and there were spurts in those games. I watched the first half of the Princeton game. You, you go and goal for goal with them the whole time. Yeah. They just kind of pulled away in the second half, and I think Delaware is kind of similar to that. Uh, what does playing those games early do for you guys as a team? I, their losses and their two thoughts. Some people look at that and say, oh, why do you throw them out there? And you, you, I don't believe in that. I think you go out there, you're measuring yourself at the beginning of the year, the hardest time against some of the best teams in the country, in the area. Uh, and what does it do for you guys, you know, coming into a game like that? Well, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's great that we played those teams. It uh, definitely humbled us right off the bat from last year since we went and won the MAC and uh, – they got like all the glory, so to say. So I think definitely playing those teams humbled us, and uh, it gets us ready for teams that we were supposed to be beating. So. Well, and then the team starts ramping up, like you mentioned, and now winning three of the last four, you know, starts with a win against Wagner. I'm sure it's bittersweet because at least for Coach Fisher, Coach McCutcheon on the other sideline, love, love Bill McCutcheon. Right? I mean, he he's fantastic. Great dude. Yeah, coach McCutcheon was actually my uh, summer coach. For, really? For nice. One year, my last year of summer lacrosse. Yeah, he was my summer coach. Is nice. he as liked as a player as Greg and I liked him as a coworker? Yeah, I liked him a lot. He was okay. Awesome. Yeah. Good dude. I'm, you know, I don't no love lost for Wagner over there, but I do wish him a bunch of success. Well, I, I have a special spot in my heart for a few different lacrosse players, and Coach McCutcheon was one of those, along with Coach Fisher, Coach Geeson. As I was learning the sport, because I didn't play. Like Greg, I played baseball growing up. Mm-hmm. Those guys to help me be a better broadcaster invited me into film sessions, taught me the language of lacrosse. Right. And Bill gave me like more time than he should have, like sitting down at my desk, all right, here's how you do this. So well, I, they were I, trying to launch a program too. Well, exactly. Right. right. Yeah, they were a little busy, right? Worrying about kind of this guy. But Connor, three of four, and it's coincided with you just being on an absolute tear. Yeah. In those games, 16 of your 17 goals have scored there. So I don't want to say what clicked, but what's going right for you these last handful of games where you're in one of those zones? Yeah, I honestly think, sounds cliche, I think our teammates, me and my teammates are just getting on the same page now. It was definitely tough to start off with those uh, those tough teams, but now we're, uh, we're hitting our stride a little bit. Who? Uh, what, what's your, your favorite team to play in the MAC? Favorite team to play? Uh... Well, I've never played Marist. Everyone says Marist. It's funny that I've never gotten to play. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's uh, been a nice little rivalry. Yeah, those have been fun games. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, I'd say the Bonaventure games have been fun. They're, uh, they'd like to talk a little bit, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing because they're, uh, they're like a three-year-old program. Yeah, yeah. they're young, but kind of similar to, to what Mammoth did. They've really kind of charted the path the right way. Randy mm-hmm. Mearns is their coach. The old, yep, the old Kanishas Yeah, the coach. old Kanishas coach. So there's been some some friendly banter, we'll say, back and forth. Yeah, you could say friendly. <laughs> so, so the two ones you're looking forward to are both on the road. Yeah. The Hawks, April 9th, head up to Olean to, to play St. Bonaventure. And then, and really kind of what is a fitting kind of, uh, reminds me of what the Big South does or did with Mammoth football playing Kennesaw in the last game of the year, kind of setting up like the championship. Yeah. Uh, they play Marist, which is, the, we always play them, I feel like, late in the year, many times. Uh, last game of the season at Marist, April 30th at 1 p.m. up at Poughkeepsie. The home games, uh, Kenesha's on April 16th, Manhattan on April 22nd, and... Uh, Sienna in April 2nd. And that's that's the one thing about lacrosse that, like, once you guys get into conference, it's mm-hmm. one game a week. You have every – the, the importance, and, and that I liken it a lot to football because the importance on winning every – or playing every single game is so high. Now, they have a conference tournament, so you just got to make sure you're in that top four to get in the mix. But there's not many opportunities. You're, you're only playing, you know, 16 games or whatever. You guys don't even play 16 games. What do you play, like 13 games? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it really is like it, it just makes the importance of those so much more when when you only get that many opportunities. Um, what's the focus of the team like heading at a non-conference into in the conference right now? Um, I mean, I wouldn't really like to say that we look in the past, but I feel like last year we set the standard and that uh, we definitely want another ring. So it's tough to say, like, last year we did it. We have to do it again because of last year. But I think every year is a new year, and uh, we're definitely chasing another ring. Hopefully get back to the tournament. How um, how important, and have you guys talked about it? I'm sure Coach Fisher's talked about leaving the conference the, the right way and going out with a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think the only team that's gone back-to-back and then left the conference was Providence. So I think we definitely want to follow in their footsteps a little bit and uh, get another one, definitely. I mean, just the fact that you know that. I know. Well, and it's so interesting. And I think lacrosse is a bit unique because there is more conference shifting at the in men's lacrosse more than really mm-hmm. under, you know any other sport. Mammoth moves to the CAAs for all sports. Right. But like you know even it, you know Mammoth's last opponent VMI they've been in like four leagues you know all time you know so it, it is kind of interesting with the movement. Um, but knowing also you know the tournaments kind of changed a bit too. It used to be kind of predetermined where the site was going to be now it's going to be at high seeds we know that mammoth can't host a game in the tournament as well knowing that you and your teammates went on the road last year Mm -hmm. did all your damage away from home um you know in the back of your mind is is it kind of like all right we've done this before we at least know what to do with a postseason road game yeah i think we did return a decent amount of guys we definitely have some new pieces this year but yeah i think the fact that a lot of guys have experience definitely is going to help us a lot down the road those pieces, uh, just talk about the other attackmen. Like, who do you like being out there with? Uh, definitely Cade. I've been playing with him the whole time now that I've been on the field, and me and him have gelled well together. And now uh, Devin and uh, Nick Teach, who's a freshman, they definitely stepped up this year. Devin's a fifth year. came from Mercyhurst, and he's like a big crease finisher. He um, he got drafted to the NLL, which is like the pro indoor league. Okay. So that's like his game. And then Nick's just a really speedy freshman who's uh, – Definitely helped us a lot last year, last uh, last game and last couple games. How much of, of learning to play with each other? You mentioned you and Cade have been playing together, you know, mm-hmm. every day that you're on the field in, in a Monmouth uniform. But Nick's a freshman and Devin's a transfer. And obviously, you know, when the lines kind of switch, how, how important is it to develop that chemistry where you each know each other's strengths? You started the VMI game so hot and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the team let your teammates get comfortable when you played like that so when you're playing i think attack is more unique obviously because there's so many different elements to it Uh, how do you develop that chemistry with a freshman with a transfer with new players is it something that is an ongoing thing obviously like it's not like okay we got it we're good right Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely an ongoing thing i think getting out there and playing those tough teams at the beginning of the year definitely helped uh delaware was probably our roughest game of the year, and uh, coach decided to like throw a bunch of different guys in there to get everyone some reps against a really good team, and uh, I think that was definitely the starting point for everyone getting comfortable. Princeton, we had kind of the same lineup the whole time because it was it was more of a game at the beginning of the half. Delaware, we kind of started slow, and uh, I think that was one of the games where some other guys got some chances to get comfortable. What's different for you this year? I mean, like Eddie alluded to it, you kind of been on a tear the last few games. Conference player of the week, you know, broke a mammoth record the other day. Uh, what's kind of different for you in, in your third year, really your second year in the field, but your third year as part of this program? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's necessarily something about me being more comfortable because I always feel pretty comfortable out there. It's more just like me knowing the system and me like seeing the game better at this level now. Has it like slowed down for you? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's definitely cliche. Like, a, lot, <laughs> a lot of people definitely say that, but I mean, at this level, it's easier. As you get more experience, it definitely slows down a little bit. I mean, it's in every single sport we talk about it, right? You come in as a freshman, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm really good. I'm a high school, you know. I'm getting recruited to play Division One, so I'm going to be ready. And then you step on your field, you're like, holy crap, I'm 17, and there are 22-year-old men out here running faster than me, yeah. in better shape than me. They know the game better than me. And that's why I think that's why the game's so fast. And then now you're older, you've seen it, you, you've you've done all that stuff, and, and – now that's what they when they say the game has slowed down for you. And I think the slowed down aspect actually it probably does go back to me just keep wor- keeping working on me getting in better shape. I mean, I I came in freshman year, I wouldn't say in bad shape, but definitely not in the best shape possible to uh, perform at like a high level. So, last year during COVID, one of the big focal points for me in the summer was like running all the time. My dad was getting on me about that and I I I agreed definitely helped. Uh I've definitely been working on the running part and uh it's, it's helped. 
Is that the biggest difference in in your opinion from because obviously you played a, a very high level of of high school lacrosse, but is that the biggest difference? Maybe it's not like Greg was kind of alluding to, not the skill per se. You you add more skills to your repertoire, but is it more of the physicality? And was there a moment when you were maybe on the field here at Monmouth when you kind of were like, oh wow, it, it is maybe a little bit different than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was necessarily one specific moment, but in high school, I actually had a meeting with the coaches my freshman year, and they were talking about how in high school I could kind of just shoot the ball, and I wouldn't necessarily have to run around people. Running around people would definitely help, but um, that wasn't like my go-to, but now I feel like I could do either one because of how much better shape I've gotten in. A couple other guys from CBA on the team. Mm -hmm. um, have you, older, younger, same age, is that almost like a, have you reached out? Have you helped in recruiting with those guys? Did they help in, in getting you here? Like Eddie called it a pipeline, which is funny. I mean, it might actually be, but. I mean, there's, I think, is there three or four? There's three? Four? Um, I'm one of three. One right, of three. So one yeah. of three, right. What's funny is my brother is actually committed here. He's a junior at CBA right now. We'll take four. Yeah. That's four. There so you go. Fourth. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but me, me and Tom, uh, I live with Tom. We both went to CBA. Um, I was going to Siena. He was he committed to Monmouth here first, and then when the coaches got fired, that swayed me a little bit. And then I just my dad went here. I like the atmosphere. And then with Terrence, uh, we he was actually going to Siena too, and then he decommitted as well, and he decided to come here. But uh, yeah, we definitely talked to the coaches about Terrence a little bit. Great athlete, and uh, we're glad we got him. It, it, we we got to figure is, out why all these people are originally picking to go to. Have, have they been to Loudonville? I think uh, I think the club like the club tournaments we play. I feel like they're just always there. They're always up yeah. there. That interesting. That's big. We played at Albany a lot during the summer, so they're right down. The well, and that's another really good program too. Sure. So they obviously and that area has kind of grown. I feel like the the Jersey Shore is mirroring that area growth, right? Where now a lot of those tournaments and maybe it's more so at the youth level, Greg. I know with your son kind of always around, but yeah. I, I think that that is an interesting thing because you see more clubs in this area start to come up. Maybe yeah. like even when I was in high school and I'm closer to Greg's age, but you only had a handful of high school teams at right. the time. So now that it is being more familiar and Monmouth is making a name for itself, you can kind of see, I, I feel like we talk about the Bryce Wasserman era as like, right, they introduced lacrosse to Monmouth. But now Connor and his teammates are kind of the next evolution of that, right? So do you guys take, do you talk legacy at all, or is that something you kind of wait till the end of the season? Yeah, definitely wait till the end of the season. <laughs> right. yeah, no one's talking legacy right now. Everyone's just focused on the ring. That um, works for me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm sure it works <laughs> for Coach Fisher too. Right. <laughs> Never put the car before the horse. Uh, take care of business this year. How excited is this team to join the CAA, one of the best college lacrosse, men's college lacrosse conferences out there. Numerous teams go to the NCAAs. Numerous teams in the, in the top twenty five. Uh, when you guys heard the news, and, and obviously is the worst kept secret in America, uh, but when we actually announced the news of the move over there, what was kind of the mood of the team? I think it was just excitement. I feel like the MAC has been uh, it's been great, but I feel like getting onto that conference will just elevate everyone's game, ever elevate the program. Elevate like how everyone views Monmouth lacrosse. So definitely excited. We uh we started off the season scrimmaging uh, Stony Brook and Drexel. And we we I think we beat yeah we beat Stony Brook. We gave Drexel a game, but uh, one of our best players got hurt during the Drexel game. So that influenced right. it a little bit. But uh yeah definitely excited and uh, can't wait for that. So you definitely know you can go in and compete with those guys. Definitely yeah. And, well and and that's going to be you know I feel like as we transition out of this final spring in the MAC and into that I I think. You know, Connor, you make a really good point. As but as excited as we all are for that, and Greg said it earlier, it, it's the idea of of taking the final year in the MAC and and you know having it be the right way and go out the right way. And and you alluded to it, you know. Also, what do you think's the the most important thing for you and your teammates to to do in conference play? Not necessarily from an X's and O standpoint, but but almost from a maybe a mindset standpoint. You know, what what do you feel the team needs to really do in order to go out on top? I think we just have to play together, listen to the coaches, and uh, execute our offense. I feel like in the games that we, that kind of got away from us, I feel like Delaware, for example, we weren't exactly executing, and that's that's the big reason why it got away from us. But I feel like Princeton, we started off hot, and uh, we didn't exactly win that game, obviously, but uh, I feel like we, we ran our offense better. I'm talking from an offensive perspective. Right. But uh, definitely ran our offense and played together more and kept it a game at halftime. 
And uh, St. Joe's, I feel like the second half was definitely a big stepping stone for us for the rest of the year. We played, uh, I think, if, I think we won the second half. I mean, obviously, that doesn't really matter at the grand scheme of things. But uh, definitely a big stepping stone. Hopefully, we can keep it moving forward. So I'm looking here now out of the six current CAA schools. Five of the six have winning non-conference records. So right. that tells you right there. Now they're going to get in the conference a little bit and probably beat each other up, but still, just just an impressive, an impressive league that that we're definitely joining in. Well, and knowing that it's not a, a one bid league, and and I think that is kind of a, a game changer in college athletics. When you know, like in like in the MAC, when you have one bid to get, there's a certain pressure that comes with that. Sure, the CAA, it's almost a week to week pressure because you know. If you have a winning record in the league, you're going to put yourself in a position to go and make the NCAA tournament. So yeah, that, that's a whole different ballgame. And we're kind of seeing that in, in many of the sports yes. that the CAA sponsors, which right. is obviously part of a big reason why we decided to make the jump. Um, really quick, head down to North Carolina last year. Obviously, it was a tough game playing the number one team in the country and, and a storied program. But And what I try to explain to people outside of athletics that even though when you go down there and the game doesn't go the way you want it to, there's still a lot to take away from that experience. Can, can you just expand upon, you know, everything from, you know, winning the championship to selection Sunday or selection Monday. I don't remember which one it was. Um, and then heading down there and, and just being down in, in Chapel Hill and seeing everything that you guys got to see. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a great trip. I mean, we we're uh, riding high after, Winning the MAC and then going down there, another humbling experience, definitely. But uh, yeah, it was awesome. UNC's beautiful campus, and we got to see uh, the basketball, all the basketball memorials with Michael Jordan and stuff. We got to see all their facilities and stuff, and uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I had a great time. It's such a, it is a special place to go see. But you know, it's like. You're going, it's a business trip, right? You want to win the game. But it's good that you can kind of take all of that in. And then you take that experience, and I'm sure it only helps kind of fuel the next experience, right? And, and when you and your teammates kind of talk about it, like you said, it's a very singular focus. It's kind of the next game in front of you. It's it's winning the SMAC championship. But, you know, what are the, I guess, biggest takeaways from a team-building standpoint that you can do on a trip like that? Trips to play top 25 teams, you know, things like that. Uh, I think those kind of trips get everyone closer with each other. I know by this point we're all pretty close, but uh, just hanging out in the hotels and uh, going out there together, I feel like the plane ride, like I feel like all that stuff just helps the team camaraderie a lot. And uh, playing a team that big, playing a team that good, I feel like we all have to come together. It goes back to the execution part and playing together and listening to the coaches and running the offense. I feel like all that comes together against a really good team like that. Do you guys, um, in the summertime, obviously – Everybody's from all over. Do you, do you get together at all to, to practice lacrosse, shoot around, fool around? Uh, yeah, definitely all the local guys do. I know me and Tom and a bunch of other guys do from around here, but it's tough when a lot of other guys live far away. So and not the whole team, but definitely some. Yeah, I mean, we got some nationwide recruiting going on, which is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, there's players from all over, and, and I think it's interesting, too, because of all of the things with COVID, right? There's, like you mentioned with Devin, you know, that there are players that are, you know, transferring programs more. He's a grad transfer, so kind of in a different position. Um, when you get together with your teammates and it's the summertime, is it always lacrosse? Are there other sports? You guys play some pickup basketball? You hit the golf course? Like, what are the other things that, that the teammates do together? I got to get into golf, but I, I've never really <laughs> golfed. But I, I, I play basketball a little bit. I'm not the greatest, but that's probably my go-to if I'm not playing lacrosse. Well, I think we've reached a point where we kind of change hands here yeah. and 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 get Step to out know, of yes. get get to know a little bit. Uh, I'm going to jump. I'm going to lead off with one. Yeah. What's one thing about you that people would find interesting that maybe they don't know? Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something you like to do recreationally. Uh, I'm not really sure. I. Uh I would say I'm definitely more of a reserved person, so some people may think I like to talk about myself or the <laughs> team, but uh, that's probably something unique about me. <laughs> what, what about the pregame playlist? Take us through what's in your what's in your AirBuds or your AirPods, excuse me, um, before a game. Uh, so some people definitely like to listen to some comedy stuff, but I'm definitely more of like a, a rap guy before games. Lil Baby, Gunna, Drake, all those guys. 
getting juiced. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting juiced in, in the AirPods. It is interesting. Some people go like like Connor said, like he wants, you know, kind of more you know, exciting up tempo kind of stuff. But some people do kind of calm it down. I think yeah. that's interesting to hear. You know, but then you take the music out and then you all go play the same game. But I think it's interesting that you know everyone has a different approach. Remember Trey Dombrowski was kind of more like calming kind of mellow and then he went and did that so i think that he's also it's a different kind of sport right with a different pace so i think that's interesting how about movies what if you're flicking around you know netflix hulu or, or tv what are the what's the movie that you're, it's always going to stop you when you're flicking around uh, i'm more of a tv show guy actually okay because I, I like to get invested in things so favorite tv show probably stranger things i like that one uh-huh. okay it's going cool. what are you binging right now uh, I'm actually rewatching Stranger Things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Season four is coming out in yeah. July. Is yeah. that right? I think it's sometime over the summer. Yeah, July. Yeah. It's been. Uh, they took like two years off for COVID. My wife watches it with my daughter. So, and I watch. It's good. It's fun. I mean, everyone loves it. It's got lots of '80s throwback. So it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. Makes me feel old, but <laughs> right because they're they're taking it. In. Your kids are taking it in for the first time. Connor for the first <laughs> right, time. Right. You're like, yeah, I lived through that. Yeah, life. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. Well, but, you know, Connor, we, we do appreciate the time. Like we said, we know it's, you know, precious time off. So we, you know, we really appreciate you coming in, taping early with us. And and we know that it's going to be a great, you know, rest of the season throughout conference play. We're excited to cover the team, you know, obviously on ESPN and, and through all the great social media. But, you know, we wish you and your teammates the best of luck. And we look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It was a fun time. No problem. Thank you, Connor. And good luck. And I just echo Eddie's. Uh, sentiments that we are ready to watch the Hawks at home. We only have three more chances to watch them at home. So get out here, watch them. Tickets, students are always free. Uh, and we're, we're pumped. Coach Fisher and, and company's got a great got a great thing going. Well, it was great to catch up with Connor, and I think great to, you know, Greg, talk a little bit more about a sport. You know, I I feel like from your perspective, and, you know, you have a son playing the game, but I really feel like, you know, we still learn more about men's lacrosse and really women's lacrosse kind of every day from the student-athletes and the coaches, and, you know, it was great to catch up with Connor. Yeah, no, it's, um, I still don't, you know, I'm still standing there trying to learn on the fly, but uh, it's fun. It's a fun sport, and it's a good alternative to the spring if, you know, you're not into some of the other offerings. So, um, no, it was great to have Connor on. We don't have a lot of younger. We usually, you know, get guys when they're seniors and on the show, so it was nice to have. I mean, he's a junior, but he's not really. You know, he, he only played the one year, so he's really a sophomore. But when we were talking about having the spring sports on, and then all of a sudden he's on his tear, 16 goals in four games or whatever. It's ridiculous. He breaks the, the points record a couple games ago or last game, whichever one it was. Um, so it was awesome to have him on and kind of segue into the spring season. And it's a good thing to, I think everybody else, you know, when you think Monmouth men's lacrosse, a lot of people think to that breakthrough team, right? That 2017 team that, you know, when they were young, they were winless and then they won it all. So I, I now the next chapter of Monmouth men's lacrosse, I think is an interesting one. Connor and his teammates winning that championship last year. Now to see kind of what's next, joining a new league, like we talked about with him, I think is going to be, you know, it's a big test for that team, but it's also one that coach Fisher each step of the way. All right. Learn how to compete. Learn how to win. Learn how to win a championship. You know, it mirrors a lot of other coaches in this building, I think, right, that have been able to grow their respective programs. Yeah, 100%. And I think, like, to, to say to your recruits, all right, every four years we've won a championship. So you're going to experience that at some point. And to, to win back-to-backs this year, and I'm not putting extra pressure on them, but <laughs> to win back-to-backs this year will be awesome, you know, for the program to kind of take that next step leave and go to the you know the CAA and really kind of try to compete in that what an outstanding league that is going to is and is going to become with with Stony Brook entering and hopefully you know we can add to that as well so it's really one of these sports that is like one of the best kept secrets on campus people don't really know about it yet we've tried we're trying to get it out in the community you know putting it out there you know advertising everything else but but we really you know we want to be that that 
spot in the Jersey Shore for college lacrosse. Like, we, we recognize, you know, Rutgers has a very good program. They've done some great things the last few years. And um, obviously Princeton, you know, the Ivy League, I think if you look in the top 25 or top 20 of men's lacrosse, I think the Ivy League are in, like, five yeah. of the top 10 or something crazy. Um, but th- but this is a program that that's really been built up, and it's exciting times to be in, involved in that and only getting better. And I think you see it with some of the local recruiting, and it's also mirroring la- the lacrosse community, you know, in Monmouth and Ocean County, which is growing, which is, if you think about it, not that old, no. right? Like, it's the, some of these club teams, like, if you think about an AAU basketball organization or a, a club, you know, football team, they've been around for years, you know, uh, parents played and then their sons play or their daughters play. You know, I think that this is still so early on in its infant stages. Coach Fisher and company do a really great job with getting into the, they're in the community, you know, and I think that's huge. So uh, if you want to see this men's lacrosse team come out, monmouthhawks.com slash tickets. We've got the games covered on ESPN, but they're much better in person. And I can say as someone who sits there and gets to announce these games, the, the atmosphere around a big lacrosse game and that's also the players on the field because they kind of bring their own sure. energy. It's fantastic. Yeah, there's tailgating before. The parents yes. are flying flags. I don't remember. It, it was Wagner. I, I went to that game and I had a meeting and I kind of walked over there late and it was maybe 15 minutes before the start of the game. There's still people in the parking lot, you know, much like a football tail, tailgate. Yeah. Flags were out. Food was being cooked. Uh, the parents are way into it. The fans are way into it. So really good time and, and really if you haven't been out to a mile with lacrosse game you need to get yourself out there their next game like we mentioned in the conversation with connor is not until march 26th but at home uh saturday april 2nd against sienna uh, that'll be a big day uh for all involved because it's a doubleheader with the women's lacrosse team as the uh, women's team five and three right now coming off of um you know a tough loss to stetson but i think one of those kind of marquee wins. You you look back on a season, you go, what was a big-time win? And when they defeated Harvard 12-10, it's Huge. a big, big win. Huge, and, and they dominated the second half. Just dominated the second half of that on both sides of the ball, um, which is why, you know, yesterday I had some meetings and stuff, and when I kind of popped my head back up and checked the score, I was like, really, Stetson? I was kind of shocked by that, but you can tell by – uh, the way Coach Troutman, you know, her, her post-game comments and, and about, like, not taking teams lightly and maybe there was a little bit of a hangover from from beating Harvard and being on, on sure. a real high. And it's a, it's a humbling experience to come back and kind of – and I think that's a game that I'm sure every one of the, the women on the team know that they probably should have won that game against Stetson. So, uh, in, in a lot of ways, that might be a season-defining kind of opportunity to say, hey, this is what happens when you take teams lightly and, and – now they're gonna, you know, they're gonna come back and play a really good Temple team here uh, on the twenty third. Yep, three o'clock against a Temple team that I believe is receiving votes. Definitely, and they've, I, and I tell you what, I, you know, I, I was the women's across contact here for a long time, and there was a time where Temple was a terrible program. You know, it was it was almost a mate like we would play them back in oh seven oh eight oh nine, and it was like almost a guaranteed win. Them and Villanova both, and now that they've really kind of taken off, so. That's going to be a tough game too, but and, and then they jump into conference play after that. So, uh, I think this, <clears throat> I think this team has the opportunity to be really good, and they're going to be fun to watch too. The, the women's across team, and that's really kind of our our last uh, one of our last spring sports that we have to get on the show. And, and I'm sure we'll be talking about having somebody on that that represents that program. I think next week's a good week for them with the home game on Wednesday. Kind yeah, of matches sure. up nicely. I agree. Um, so, you know, we definitely want to get, you know, th- them involved and, and get people out to kind of pay attention to what they're doing because they are, uh, along with, with baseball are, are two of the hotter teams on campus right now. And obviously, you know, men's tennis just continues their, their torrid streak through everything. They've been great. They've been great. And it's a long time now. It's a, it's a handful of years that they have been so good. Um, you know, looking around the Monmouth athletic scene, um, it's great that the baseball team is back, uh, you know, in the Northeast. I know that, you know, they're still traveling, but not as much. And they actually have a three-game set down at Delaware this weekend. So, interesting that that's a league game next year. So, right. y- you get that look. And we talked to Trey Dombrowski a couple, you know, episodes ago. And having him talk about, you know, that I think was interesting. So, they head down to Newark. That'll be the biggest thing, right? It's Newark here in New Jersey, but it's Newark, Newark down there. in Delaware. Obviously, we're right. Correct. Absolutely. Um, but three. If it games, was new arc, it'd be two different words. Well, there'd be a space. Right. Right. New arc. So it doesn't make any sense at all. No. So if you're looking to go to that game, don't go to Newark. 
Right. You You're should, not going to find the blue hens up there. Yeah, there'll be no Mammoth in Delaware game. You find the Devils. You find a fantastic restaurant, Fernandez's, that you, McDonald, <laughs> uh, recommended to my friends and I. Right. And maybe NJIT. But outside of that, you're, you're not going to find Mammoth in Delaware. No. Um, so so follow Coach Ehalt's team down there. Uh, the softball team just had home games. It was great to see them on campus, um, you know, as they look to get themselves kind of back on track heading into MAC play, um, which everyone here knows will happen because of Shannon Salzburg. And yeah, it's yeah, what 100%. she does. They, I don't think, you know, they, they came out razor hot. That doesn't even make any sense. Razor sharp <laughs> you or combine the two. piping hot, one of those two. <laughs> they came out and beat UNC, and we were we were juiced. And I think she even said it on the show that they have a young pitching staff and they have a young team, so it's going to take some 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 get going. And, and they had – um. You know, they, they had some rough spots uh, recently, but everybody knows that when that team finally starts to click under Coach Salzberg's leadership, they, they're going to be another force to reckon with. And not to diminish the non-league, but I think depending on where you are as a program, you either use the non-league to maybe ramp up for a season that you expect with a veteran team could be a championship season, or when you are, you have question marks, it's very much an extension of practice. And... Yeah, do we all want every mama team to win every game? Yes, but the more important thing is how you use that non-league to prepare for league play. Sure, and and I agree with you. I think that a lot of our coaches and, and we do a good job scheduling. I mean, we kind of we talk about it. You know, Doctor McNeil sent kind of a standard of you know we don't play sub D one teams in anything, right? You know, and go out and challenge yourselves. Don't kill yourselves. We go out and challenge yourselves, and I think against those high majors or, or even programs that are ranked, um, you're going out and, and you're seeing what you can do against some of the best and then maybe against some of the teams that you should be comfortably beating. Now that's an opportunity to get some of your younger players some reps and then everybody else in between is like an extension of practice. You know, see what you can do against a team that's similar to yours. So, And Connor said as much when we spoke with him, and I thought that was interesting to to hear the perspective from that. And we, again, thank him for you know joining us on this week off. Um at least from games, but you know, we, we can't kind of turn the page on the athletic season completely. Um, you know, until we kind of look back at this past week down in Atlantic city, down in the Mac tournament, um, you know, it was, it was, a, you know, unfortunate that the women were, um, you know, unable to get out of that first game, but we know that is the end of step one for coach Bogus sure. and staff. And, you know, obviously they actually ran into a, that game. Their game with Canisius was a really good basketball game back and forth. You saw, how dangerous that can that young Canisius team that plays different could be. Um, but we all understand that what that is for, 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 you know, for coach Bogus and staff. And quite frankly, I thought Stella Clark's, you know, post game comment that made its way on social media. That tells you all you need to know sure. about the culture that team has built. Yeah. And, and that was, um, it, that was a tough press conference to watch because yeah. of the emotion. And, uh, we talked about it as a staff, like, you know, what she's saying is so, so great. You know, do we, do we put this up or, or is it so personal that, that we don't really need to, to put it out there? But in the end, we thought that like to show the amount of love and, and that she had for Mammoth and in such a short time, sh- such a short time and how much love that Mammoth had for her and, and coach and, and really, you know, playing under coach Boggess and, and returning home and, um, so we put that, you know, we put that whatever 30 second clip up or whatever it was. And well, thank you for doing that because uh, that was all, uh, Gary Kowal and Mark Mormon, but it was, it was genius. And it, and I also feel like it's so genuine and sure, you know, for, for people, I think people see, Oh, Stella Clark went back to mom. That's great. Oh, she's, you, you know, it's just going to be a year of basketball and then she's gone. But to get so invested into what Jenny Boggess is building here with her teammates tells you a about Stella Clark, the person. And it tells you how serious she is, not just about basketball, but about this experience. But, you know, to have that kind of reaction to it, hard to watch that. And if you have any, you know, any love for Mammoth or basketball at all and not get emotional kind of yourself. So um, I, I feel like that kind of encapsulates the whole Mammoth season in year one for Ginny. It, it, it was, you know, they started great. They had some up and downs, but... The program is in such a better place than it was at this time a year ago, and people like Stellar are a big reason why. Yeah, hundred percent. I was trying to find on Twitter what the what the interactions were, but well, I can't because I 
obviously tweet way too much <laughs> and retweet way too much. Um, but the bottom line was it did huge numbers and, and re- some really nice comments under it. And you could really kind of tell that it was 100%, you know, uh, genuine out of her. So, And then to, to take that and it kind of parallels with the women unfortunately losing round one and the men unfortunately lose, you know, in the championship game. But the same sentiments shared by Shavar Reynolds and Walker Miller, that was a tough hearing their comments. That was hard to get through. I, I don't get, sure. I've gotten more emotional in my old age. Yeah, me too. You know, like Wait getting till you married. Have a kid, yeah. Wait till you have a kid. Getting married changed so that. Soft. And, and you know, I mean, it's not, you know, if you follow me on social, you know, my wife's pregnant. So like, right. I, you know, there's like a, you know, like sappy moments and shows come yeah. up. I'm like, what am I oh, doing? Man, I'm, it's oh. awful. But to sit there and watch those guys get emotional and get emotional about the experience they had at Monmouth in one year and falling, you know, oh, so sure of delivering something to the school that you could tell how much it mattered to both of them. Like, sure. That was, I mean, you know, we have to console athletes after losses sometimes and we walked Hard. with them away. That was maybe the toughest I've experienced in my 15 plus years here. You could tell how much, you know, and, and we're talking about three players. And George players. Pappas too, Marcus, obviously yeah. all of them. You're talking about three, those three players specifically who, who have only spent a year here. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like, you know, I don't know if it was a redemption thing for them or whatever, but like they gave this place everything they had. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was tough. It was a tough way to end. You, you know, we got to be proud of them. They battled as hard as they could and um, thankful that they chose to come to Monmouth. And I think that's one of those things where like you hear a lot of ups and downs with the transfer portal, but there are definitely a lot of positives to it. You know, people can find the right home, the right fit where they just make a community better Um, on the basketball court in the community, you know, going out and, and spending time with fans and, I mean, you're with us when a game is over. We don't, we you know, we don't turn the lights on and kick everybody out. <laughs> right. There's a billion kids on the court. Some of them are connected to the program. Some of them are just fans that come to a bunch of games, and our guys go out and sign things for them, and they're milling about, and and they're great about it, and and that's kind of something that you know I think has been here for a long time, and something that Coach Rice kind of pushed as well. Like, hey, you know. These people are coming out to watch, paying to watch you play basketball. You better, you know, even after a loss, you got to go out and, and, and be, you know, be communal, you know, I don't know what the word is. Be a, a stand-up mom and student athlete and, and meet them and, and sign things for the kids and, and just be great parts of the community. I'll give you a very short story to further your point. So at the home game against St. Peter's, right, which was – another really good game and it was a close tough loss um the the church that i used to go to they brought a big group right and um you know they had asked me before the game they're like you know and they had come out they had gotten group tickets right had a great experience had a few ada seats so like they were kind of spread out so they in the process they had said hey after the game is it okay if we come down to the court get a picture or an autograph and i go oh of course i go understand if it's if it's a win it's maybe quicker if it's a loss you know guys i can't promise these things because you don't know. Right. And also you don't know what, you know, if a student athlete has their family there and they want to kind of run away afterwards and things right. like that. So, you know, obviously that, that was a tough, close loss. And I remember being on the court and I remember thinking, you know, this is probably not going to happen tonight, um, which is fine. They and weren't going anywhere, though. They did not leave. <laughs> but beyond that, I remember, you know, George walking by and heading to the locker room and, you know, had a good game, didn't have his best game, was probably disappointed um, and just asking him, hey, man, do you mind, you know, and at this point, like, players were with their parents. It was, like, long time after. I go, hey, you mind if you snap a few photos? Well, he didn't just snap a few photos. He signed autographs, and he thanked yeah. people for coming, and those are the moments that you don't take away any accomplishment from anyone, but those are the moments that will stay with people forever, that now those little stu- those little kids, those little students are Mammoth fans. Now those parents know, and I, I hope that people can understand that little moment means so much. And that for, you know, Walker and Shavar and Stella and George and Marcus and all the seniors on both of these teams. And there's too many to name because the senior nights were huge because there was a million seniors. And just great people. Great people and great ambassadors. And hopefully as fans, that's a takeaway that you can get because you're hearing this from Greg and I who spend every day in this building. Sure. We're here all the time. Um, But we'd be remiss not to mention the support that we got down in Atlantic City. I mean, 
outside of a, a Siena game in Albany for a postseason game, I don't think, Greg, we've seen as many fans and a louder section than we got in those semifinals and finals for, for Monmouth. I thought it was amazing. No, and I put a tweet out about it because I was sitting at home really kind of thinking about it that night and obviously bummed out about the loss and everything else, but but I really meant that. I, the fan support down in AC is kind of, I think, what we envisioned it would be before COVID when we were excited that, you know, some of the schools, including Monmouth and Ryder and Iona, got together and really pushed to get this thing brought down to Atlantic City, get it, you know, try in different venue. And then we got hit with COVID. Then we get the last year where it was like parents and each kid got two tickets or something. And that was like a ridiculous setup too. you know, obviously needed. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that, you know, it wasn't what we wanted. And then this year we had the opportunity, right? And, and we had a good team. You know, we came in on the four seed and every game, the crap Monmouth crowd got bigger and got louder. And there were points in the semifinal and the final where I was like, wow, this is like as loud as it gets at a good attended, a well-attended home game. Right. And that's in a building that seats 4,000, not in a cavernous arena, yeah. which tells you how loud the Monmouth fans really were. They were awesome. And and they came down and the students came down and, you know, we were a little worried because the, the student run trip, you know, bus numbers weren't great, except for they all came they down. all came down and drove because yeah, it's Atlantic well, City. Right, right, right. I want to go on my own, guys. Yeah, there's <laughs> something to do down there. There's It's a destination. So, you know, even though we're leaving the MAC, I was happy that they have one more year down there because I think their fans kind of deserve that. You Agreed. Know, uh, the Ryder fans, the St. Peter fans now, you know, coming off this year, I'm you know, I'm sure they're going to have, you know, some more fans down there. I, I own them. I guarantee you'll have some more fans down there. And I get there, there's some challenges for, you know, the Western New York teams and probably even Siena, you know, come down. But there's a ton of hotels. They're nice hotels. There's a ton of good eating options, like fine dining if you want that or, you know, good eating. There's obviously a ton of entertainment options depending on what you're looking for. It's just it really is a great – I'm surprised it took so long to get it down there. It really is a great destination, and I and I've been to the MAC tournament in Albany. I've been to it in Springfield. Yep. I've been to it in um, Trenton the one year. So you know, if you, if you're not going to go to home sites, which is a whole nother conversation with both pros and cons, you know, I think you got to have a destination where people are going to want to go. Yeah, and if you want to give your student athletes that experience, which. You know, the league has come out and said that's what they want to do. And it took a willingness on Atlantic City's part. And mm -hmm. I think they deserve a huge part of the credit for this with their arena staff does a really, really, really good nice job. job. Like nice people you can have conversations with. Right, right. You get, they it, get to know they you. They don't think they're working the Super Bowl. Well, at least correct. And like, you know, where they're th three, four days in a row. Right. They start to know who you are. Oh, hey, how you doing, man? Oh, good win yesterday. You know, and it's it, it was a, a just a, a great overall experience and it was and the fact that all of the alums that came down and the event they had um in caesars was so well yeah, it attended. Was awesome. you know it, it really was like you said i think we you and i sat next to each other for those last two games and we looked at each other and said this is what we envisioned when this was the you know decided a couple years ago and you know unfortunately the men's team fell short but you know to echo everyone else's sentiments best of luck to shaheen holloway and st peter's um, you know, they have a they have a first round matchup with Kentucky. And you know what? Best of luck represent the league well, because we know they will because they're, you know, a great champion. And but it was a great couple days down there. And, you know, we're excited about next year's tournament, I believe, in Washington, DC. Yeah, last year that'll be in Washington, DC. And and who knows? Maybe that the CAA tournament could end up in in Atlantic City. I mean, in a lot of ways it's a good midway point. There's an airport there. You know, for, for that tournament too. So I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about how that league works, you know, we'll know a lot more newcomers. in a few months. Sure. <laughs> we're newcomers and they've been awesome to kind of, they in, include a lot of us in, in their meetings. And, and I know coach Boggess went to the women's basketball tournament that was hosted out at Drexel and they treated her like gold. So, um, you know, we'll be in, in good, good hands there too. But I, you know, we thought when we talked about this episode, we thought it was important to really kind of shout out the job Atlantic city did and, and our fan base. Yeah, and you know we'll have to thank all the fans for really all the support throughout the whole season. It was a it was a great you know home schedule. It was a tough year. There were there were tons of restrictions. There were things that maybe made it easy for people not to attend games. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate them indeed coming out and attending the games. And it was great to be able to see our you know two years ago we couldn't do this to see our fans and to have conversations before games and you know those little five minute conversations on the way to and from our seats. You know it, it's. 
we appreciate it because we know people say, oh, oh, I got the podcast. It was awesome. Oh, did you see that game last week? You know, that was great. And there's some big, obviously, things coming up down the pike over the next couple of days for, you know, Monmouth fans, Monmouth alums. Um, You know, if you're connected to the school, you know, March 23rd and 24th are as important two days as you have um, on this campus, not just in athletics. Yeah, definitely. So those two days are giving days. And and every school does this. and, and Monmouth is doing it, and uh, we were super successful last year. I mean, uh, and I'm not even talking from a dollar amount raised. We raised a, a nice amount of money. Um, but I, I think from a percentage of athletic donors to the school, you know, versus overall number, athletics did really awesome, and it was a big point of pride for us. Uh, so we're really pushing it now. And um, it, it's uh, more important than ever to, to have – people involved in, in fundraising um, and giving day is a great way to do it. If you, they've made some incentives where if you give $33, you get a pair of premium socks, premium, not like uh, these things that you put on your feet and they feel like sandpaper and you're going to want to throw them away. Mm-hmm. I've been told that they are high quality socks. So for a gift of $33, obviously, you know, Monmouth is, um, was founded in 1933 or the first year was the 1933. So that's where you get that number from. But that's pair. why that was the Jersey number in the, in the bookstore as well. Sure. Sh- shadows, Jersey, number. shadows, Jersey right. number. I, it, you know, we it, it wasn't Pizazz's walk on. It wasn't just because it was his walk on. number. Well, that's what I like to tell people. It's funny. I went from like Dwayne Byfield to Shavar Reynolds with a stop off. Steve, Steve in the mid two thousands. I had to, I had to, I had to get on him for that. Now one. we can tell people that it's Shavars, <laughs> right? But anyway, so March twenty third and twenty fourth, it is so easy to get involved. You go to, you know, you go to monmouth.edu/slash giving days, uh, giving day. I think uh, giving days works as well. It does. They both work. Um, if you're an alumni and and maybe you want to give to, you can give to any one program. You can give to uh, the the athletic directors um, excellence fund, which is uh, Jeff Stapleton, our athletic director. It's kind of money that's used at his discretion, usually used to help a program that needs, you know, maybe they need new uniforms and their, their budget just doesn't cover it, or right. maybe they're going on, on a trip. Uh, for instance, <laughs> women's lacrosse uh, had all of their flights canceled uh, at their layover in Charlotte because of weather, and they had to take a bus. That was an unforeseen cost. Um, some of that money, that, those are the types of things that the, the athletic director's fund goes to kind of, kind of cover unforeseen yeah, things that costs. aren't budgeted right right that do that usually student enhancement kind of deals yeah um or you can pick a team and and give to you know if you played soccer here you know give give back to soccer and and you know while everybody loves the big you know big flashy gifts every dollar helps and every dollar counts and we're going to be rolling out some challenge gifts we've had some alumni step up and say uh, you know, if, if you get a hundred donations to this program, I'm going to give an extra thousand. Uh, so you're going to be hearing about some of those coming out pretty soon. And if you're interested in doing any of those, please reach out to myself or to Ken Taylor. Um, because we do know that there are some alums that, that want to be more involved and that's a good way of doing it. You know, challenging other people to give and then, you know, being generous yourself. Um, I myself will be giving obviously, well, my family, um, I'm sure my lovely wife, Patty, will bring that up to me when uh, when she listens to this, which she does every week. Um, we'll <laughs> Don't be giving, worry, Patty, we are too. <laughs> Kelly and I are giving as well. We'll be giving on that day, and it's just a really, really big push. And um, it, it's, it's one of the three marquee kind of fundraising things we do every year. And this is one that we're really... Uh, we would love as much alumni participation as we can possibly get. And with Mamet's move to the CAA, it's only more, it's magnified how important this is. I, I was able, it's kind of making the rounds on social. I was able to catch up with, with Jeff, you know, with the athletic director and get his thoughts. Um, so, you know, seek that out. We'll make sure that we yep. put that out as well, because you hear directly from him how important this is. And, uh, you know, it's the tone, I think, that makes this different, Right. Every entity is always going to want more support, but these days matter because of what it stands for. And if you're an alum like myself, it is very important, no matter the level. Um, if you follow Greg or I on social media, we're both ambassadors for Giving Days, so you'll be able to see how you can make the gift. If All, all you have to do is follow us, and then you'll be able to see how sure. you can make that gift. How, how would they follow you, Eddie? Oh, we've never done that. That's that's big time. So on, <laughs> on Twitter, uh, 
if you go to the old one, I think it still works. But uh, at Eddie on air, you know the on air, right? Because it's my last name starts with O, so yep. the O still works. So at Eddie with a Y on air on Twitter, um, you'll see the links there. Uh, and I know Greg's because <laughs> I have to monitor my character count because it's the longest name ever. But I know it's so I, good. I've, we've been, you know, at one and only Greg V. I've been trying to think about changing it to be a little bit more professional. You know, I started Twitter, like, not as a professional account. Yeah, we started, like, 11 years ago or whatever right. it is. But at one and only Greg V, at Eddie on air, Plugs. at Mammoth Hawks will be as yes. well. But you should follow Make sure you're us. following at Mammoth Hawks. <laughs> uh, this was, a, as always, a, a great one, Greg, to kind of go into the first weekend of March Madness with. But, you know, wrapping up the winter, getting ready for the spring. Have to thank Connor again. Um, another fun one. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good, Eddie. Uh, we will... See you guys next week. Uh, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your St. Patty's Day. Be safe. Be smart. Fly Hawks.